Welcome to Breaking Good, the officially unofficial podcast for Breaking Bad on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And this is the official Bald Move rewatch, the begin of, beginning of it. The officially official. It, it is official. For once, we are officially something other than just a random podcast. Indeed. Before we get into the actual episode, we have some stuff we want to talk about, right? Yeah. A couple, first things first, uh, our format. We're going to keep yep. the you know the familiar talk about the episode up front, do feedback with the full sp- recap, yeah. Spoilers at the end. Now, what is spoiler? What are spoilers in the context of a rewatch? Mm, good question. So we're going to pretend like we haven't seen the rest of the episodes when we're talking about the episode proper because we know from talking yeah. to your fans that we've got a couple of Breaking Bad virgins that are kind of getting into this at the same time as we are that. Uh, are going to be along for the ride, so we don't want to spoil them. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about that, and then we'll have spoiler at the very end of the show. We'll talk about spoilers, which in this case is things we notice that are important later on that might, you know, you might have missed or might add to your enjoyment of the series proper. And any uh, emails along those lines will also read as well too. Okay. If you'd like to give us feedback, by the way, breaking good at baldmove.com or you can get on Facebook during our podcast ep- episodes uh, threads you can uh, post on that on facebook.com slash baldmove one of the reasons we're doing this is because you know breaking bad is the first show we covered mm-hmm. and we are kind of dipping our, sh- our our feet into the rewatch water uh, sure we've never done a rewatch before uh, we've seen people do them they seem to be Fairly well received, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, personally, Breaking Bad is my favorite show. Uh, it's certainly the show I remember the best after having watched. Right on, uh, and I really enjoyed covering it while we were covering it. And we've also we've we've done rewatches before, like season one of Walking Dead and season one of House of Cards, but they've always served some purpose to yeah, yeah. you know to get a thread established or kind of get us used to the series and you know kind of steeped in it. This is just purely. We love Breaking Bad. It's summertime. It feels weird. The Breaking Bad's not on the air. <laughs> and uh-huh. uh, we're going to start rewatching. Apparently, AMC agrees uh-huh. because the other reason we're choosing now to do it is because AMC's doing their Breaking Bad binge. They're going to air every episode on every Sunday starting this one, August 10th. From 5 p.m. to 1 a.m., they're going to air them in sequence. And then the next Sunday, the next Sunday. And this should take us all the way up into. Uh, Walking Dead territory when it comes back. Yeah. Because Halt and Caught Catch Fire halted, <laughs> and where it catch, catch, caught fire remains to be seen, but they got a gap yeah. in their schedule. They're filling it with uh, premium content. Yeah, we also have an event that we're going to be uh, helping out with and kind of using the podcast to promote that as well. Yeah, our friends Ginny uh, uh, and Miguel over at 99.1% Productions are getting a... The first ever Albuquerque Breaking Bad Fan Fest. It's going to be yeah. held the weekend of November 7th through the 8th this year. Uh, they've got some celebrity guests already lined up, including Stephen Michael Cazeta, a.k.a. Agent Stephen Gomi. Gomi Gomez. Uh-huh. Yeah. That man knows a shade of green, let me tell you. <laughs> and uh, also Jeremiah Bitsui, the uh, actor who portrayed Victor, one of the... Chief henchman of up up whoa whoa spoiler alert whoa whoa gotta stop there yeah yeah you stay tuned for that information in the spoiler <laughs> section <laughs> thank you man I almost did it in the first right? five minutes God. I almost fucked God. it up I'm gonna have to stay on top of you 
But there's going to be a ton of cool events, uh, a trivia contest, tours. If you want to go out and see Tohajali and some of these famous, iconic uh, uh, locations of Breaking Bad, might as well do it during the tour weekend because they're going to have organized tours, a costume contest, a panel discussion with some of these actors, a VIP after party. We're going to be moderating at least a panel. I think we might be Uh involved in the costume contest. If you want to come out and meet us, we'll be in Albuquerque that weekend. There's going to be surprises throughout the weekend to see surprise cast and crew that have not been announced yet. Okay. Uh, and all kinds of other various happenings. Um, you know, the more people to come, the bigger it's going to be, and probably the more exciting surprises are going to be. So I encourage everybody, if you ever thought about doing a pilgrimage to the ABQ, land a Captain Cook, go over <laughs> on Facebook. You can check it out, facebook.com slash breakingbadfest or abqbreakingbadfest.com where you can get your tickets and et cetera. One last piece of business. I apologize. We don't usually do this, but we have a lot of front-loaded stuff to talk about. Um, Shane, our, our buddy Shane Bowman, who is the proprietor of the Heisenberg Chronicles, which is a fairly successful Tumblr in its own right. Mm-hmm. Lots, thousands and thousands of people subscribe to it, and he has a lot of cool art and Breaking Bad fan stuff that he posts on a daily basis. He is celebrating along with us. He's going to have a... Um, a companion piece he's calling it to each one of our podcasts where he goes and posts like relevant fan art and interviews and some insights he's gathered around the internet. I'm super excited to see what he comes up with that. That's at Heisenberg Chronicles, all one word, dot Tumblr, dot com. So check that out. I think that's it. That's it. You don't want to do another 10, 20 minutes of promotion stuff. I probably could. Up front. <laughs> all um, right. Can I say one fairly mind-blowing fact that I just discovered in doing research for this episode. Sure. Yeah. And it's relevant to the show. Okay, good. Did you know that the two stars initially attached to this project to play Walter White Mm -hmm. was John Cusack and Matthew Broderick? All right. All right. I could see both of them doing a slightly inferior job. Yeah. Inferior? Or just radically different? Uh, Well, okay. So Vince Gilligan kind of said that the character feels a little bit like uh Matthew Broderick in what is that election I think is the sure the movie I think that's one you're talking about the one the Reese Witherspoon and... yeah yeah where he's just kind of this really just downtrodden dude much like Walter White is uh so yeah I mean maybe he would he would do an all right job but I don't know that he has like the same Ferris Bueller spark anymore that I've seen, where he could really pull off the the ultra confident kingpin portion of it. Yeah, the funny the funny thing is, is like I almost want to rattle off moments of episodes. Like, could Matthew Broderick do <laughs> crawl this space? Per- no, yeah, crawl space. Yeah, I guess we can. That's say not that. a spoiler. Yeah, could he do crawl space? Could he do any of the stuff that came in the final season? I I say no with but... the same quality. Um, I don't know that there's anyone other than Brian Cranston I could see in this role now that I've seen Brian Cranston do it. Which is remarkable because I read a lot of season one reviews from, and I'll talk about that at the end of the cast with Seppenwall, Mo Ryan, etc. <laughs> and uh, almost everyone mentions uh, that, like, you know, how hear... from Malcolm in the Middle, exactly. <laughs> like Seppenwall made the joke that uh, he, when you first see him step out of the RV with the fumes, you expect him to rip off the mask and be like Reese. <laughs> so. It's amazing that he's completely obliterated that o- iconic performance in the pop culture mind, and now has done this. And it's like, man, what else can the man do? Yeah, get so, killed by Godzilla. 
John Cusack? We know he can do that. Mm, I, I don't know about John Cusack. All right. Well, I just wanted to – I thought that was mind-blowing. Um, it turns out that, uh, you know, Cranston and uh, Vince Gilligan, who we call the Villigan. You'll yeah. hear us refer to that, and that's an inside joke that – Started somewhere in season four, and we never really explain it after that, so you just kind of pick it up. But yeah, the Villigan met and him met on the set of the X-Files, because um, Cranston was in one of those, and he was kind of hot for him, but not before Broderick and uh, Cusack, so. Okay. Why don't we get into the recap of the episode? Do it. So we start off with, uh, what we find out is a flash forward? <laughs> yeah. It's a flash forward uh, that then we see a little bit afterward at the end of the episode. I think that's what they call it a flat, like a cold open flash forward. Yeah, it, it's kind of a weird device, but I think it works really well with this crazy guy in his underwear driving this RV down the road. Yes, uh, he's, he's clearly got, some shit has gone wrong inside the RV. Bodies are slot, sloshing yep. back and forth. There's money and guns on the floor. <laughs> yeah. And, beakers and you're like what is going on here and they're in gas masks and one of them's passed out uh and then he crashes the rv in the desert and we find out okay this is walter white he says his name into the video camera uh he's clearly done something wrong because he hears sirens and he thinks you know this is it this is not a message to any law enforcement let me talk to my family and he makes a videotape to his family and then prepares for a shootout in his tidy whities yeah and then boom breaking bad logo yeah uh, when I first saw this, I was like, what the fuck is going on? What am I seeing happen on this screen? <laughs> right. How did this guy get in this situation? And how is this this an opening for a show? Like, do they... Because I assumed, okay, well, they're going to continue to tell the story from where we left off in the cold open. Yeah. Uh, and I, I didn't see where that was going or how they were going to backfill it. Right. But no. flashing back made a lot of sense. So I immediately thought, as soon as I saw this, I remember... That I'm like, oh, so this is going to be this is how they get you for this season. They're going to show yeah. us this scene, and then the next because I also knew it's a it's a it's a short season. It's only seven episodes long. Strike shortened because yeah. of 2008. The writer, I don't know if you remember this, but in 2008 <laughs> it was a real debate about well, maybe the studios will just say fuck you to the writers, and we'll just have reality TV because that's more popular than scripted television nowadays anyway. And uh-huh. and now you see how the the last five years have kind of unfolded in the golden age of television. It seems ridiculous, but that was a real concern, and that cut this season short. But I figured, okay, seven episodes, so we are seeing the closing kind of cliffhanger part of this season. Mm, the, yeah, we're gonna, yeah. the whole season is going to lead up to this insanity. No, this happens in the first <laughs> hour, which one of the common complaints of, that I, I've seen is that this is a very slow-paced pilot. That's shocking to me. I find I, I it think, shocking as well. I think portions of it are slower-paced because they need to be. Right. Uh, but the crescendo it reaches at the end is undeniably fast-paced. And it's got something in the video that keeps you interested, and it's like, okay, you have to wait 45 minutes to get back to this, but that's not yeah. an eternity. Um, and, I, and taking a high school chemistry teacher and turning him into a meth cook in the first episode mm-hmm. is pretty fast-paced, if you ask me. No, I I don't get it. And I always took it as a matter of faith. I think I've mentioned this, that the Breaking Bad pilot's the one that I'm confident when I tell people watch that, that they'll watch the whole series. Mm, I can't yeah, say yeah. that about The Wire. Certainly not. Because you can see the first four episodes and still be like, I don't get it. I don't like it. I wouldn't say it about a Mad Men. Yeah. Because you famously saw the first, the first season, season once and was like, like ah. Um, 
I wouldn't even say that about a show with a lot of questions and interesting mysteries like Lost. Yeah. It, it took a couple of episodes until like the smoke monster was a thing. I don't know that, that we was were questioning. Step. I think that was episode two. Oh man, I feel like the the Lost fina- the, the episode that, that pilot might be also another example of someone that has to at least give the first season a try. Yeah, it's it's pretty close. But I the the thing that's shook me to my core is at least one listener on Facebook confessed that the pilot didn't really grab them and multiple people wow. on Reddit were talking about when they watched this in real time, they're like, meh, and didn't come back until several seasons later when it became the juggernaut. Yeah. Because at a time when it was debuted, it, these were kind of considered the critical darlings of AMC. You had Mad Men that came out the season before, now yeah. Breaking Bad, and they're these small little cult shows. Mad Men still kind of is that, but Breaking Bad became a fucking monster, as everyone sure. knows now. So um, I think it's fitting also that Breaking Bad established itself with a stunt shot uh-huh. of these pants just coming out of the sun, you know, parachuting out of the sun. Uh, <laughs> it's also a shot that's very implausible. Like, it's hard to imagine that Walter pedaled to the metal in the RV, they flew off the RV's rear the rear view window yeah the side mirror and then somehow flew way up in the sky got ahead of the rv enough that they could they could run over it but whatever it's a cool ass shot sure it's super cool and there's something about this show that despite how ridiculous it is on the face of it Uh a man a middle-aged man in his tidy whitey underwear uh his pants flying off the side of his rv it somehow demands serious attention like it it takes itself seriously even though it's making jokes the entire time well i mean like i've got on my notes like the shirt tucked into his underwear and his ass crack says comedy but the soundtrack (laughs) and dave porter early killing it uh and cranston's performance say no fuck you this is serious the intensity of it certainly and that's a it's a weird balance that they kind of get away from later in the series but they've got this thing where they've got this dark comedy yeah but you also have to take it serious because the performances and the camera work and the kind of all the techniques and tricks and the virtuosity you see in the direction and writing kind of demand it. Sure. So three weeks earlier, Walt wakes up and he works out. We find out a couple of things about him. Uh, he's got a, a cough that, you know, could be a morning thing, whatever, uh, a workout, working out thing. But he's also... A contributor to uh, research that won the Nobel Prize in 1985. Right. So he's a smart guy, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we wonder, seeing the next scene where he's having breakfast with his family, how he got to from Nobel Prize winner to high school chemistry teacher and kind of just all around nobody. And they'd use every trick in the book to show what a schlub he is. Like they he's do. the guy. That is awake at five in the morning before his alarm clock gets up. Uh-huh. He's doing this little as seen on TV stepper size. <laughs> pathetic workout. It's the most pathetic workout you could do. Right. Another week and it'll be busted. Yeah. And then where are you going to be at? Um, it just, and even a lot of other really economical storytelling devices. The fact that, like, when he was con- uh, recording his Not a Confession, yeah. he does that thing where he starts to break down and cry and he puts his hand over his camera. Can't mm-hmm. bear. To let his family see that raw side of him. Yeah. And yep. they got this, just, you just see this kind of closed off dead man 
And, you know, we'll, we'll probably pick out all the other little tells that he's like, yeah, this guy's a loser. This guy's life is going nowhere. Yeah, I also saw that thing where he put his hand over the camera as a way to kind of block a scene. Like, mm. like say, all right, this first portion was too law enforcement. This is not a confession. Puts his hand over it and he's saying, okay, new scene. This yeah. is for my family here. Yeah. Um, are we talking about the breakfast now? Yeah, let's talk about it. Let's talk about turkey bacon. Well, this starts Walt Jr.'s long love affair with breakfast. <laughs> yeah. He will – there'll be many breakfasts over this table. The veggie mm-hmm. bacon – and I, I've seen this pilot probably five or six times. Yeah. Um, the rest of season one and season two, honestly, I've, I've seen the majority of only once and some of them twice on replays and stuff. So there'll be you – know, that was like pre-podcast. It'll be interesting going back and seeing that. But, man, I never noticed just how disgusting this bacon looked. It looks like – plastic it, it doesn't terrible. crisp it doesn't crunch it bends and holds its shape and it smells like yeah. band-aids ugh. Ugh. Uh, they can't the family doesn't have their hot water heaters on the fritz they can't afford to repair it yeah uh i mean obviously that's kind of one of the indications that they're having money trouble of course later skyler's talking on the phone about their bills and stuff yeah. um but but we we see just a lot of stuff piling up on top of Walt throughout the first half of this episode. They're really trying to make him look pathetic, and one of those things is Skyler coaching Walt about how to deal with his, his job. Boss. Yeah, uh, like telling him, "Look, you need to stand up to this guy. You need to be home at a certain time." And we know, of course, it's for a birthday party. Yeah, but just that the nature of that, and it doesn't seem like that's a unusual thing. He accepts no. it. This woman. Has been apparently forced because he just has abdicated any interest in much of anything. Has been forced yeah. to take on this almost mother role, which is never, never a good thing. I mean, she for, is mother, but to him as I'm well. I'm saying, yeah, to to <laughs> be, yeah, the, the fact that she's coaching him on what to do with her boss and and all that stuff, and you know, nagging him about this. Uh, one of the things we'll talk about is the evolution of Skyler. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people, you know, when we got to season four and five are asking questions like, you know, why do people, why do people hate Skylar so much? And and I don't know that it has necessarily kicked into full gear yet. No, no. First episode. I think there's certainly things you can point to and say, well, if I were Walter White, this would annoy me. Or yeah, there's just a lot of things about the relationship that uh, I think an average man would be grossed out by there's probably a yeah. lot of things about walter white at this that an average woman would be grossed out by i'm not saying yeah, that but yeah. i'm saying that it's always i always thought it was a little disingenuous when i'd see articles from vince gilligan even interviews with anna gunn where they're just perplexed when vince gilligan hmm. is using a lot of storytelling techniques to put skyler in a very unflattering light yeah and it's more about i mean that's kind of not his purpose here his real goal is to show us how pathetic Walt is. Right. But uh, the I mean, side effect... The side effect is that Skyler gets cast in a bad light, certainly. Um, th- and and Villigan has said in interviews that everything... They, they had conceived everything about Walter White as a character up front. Like, from the sweaters he wears, he wanted oh, his clothes tell. to blend sure. into the wall. This is beige, shapeless, shitty clothing. Even his mustache. It, yeah, he Def- wanted the most impotent mustache he could find, is what he said. Yeah, define <laughs> the borders of that man's mustache. Yeah, yeah. He said his hair should be a mop. There's nothing remarkable about this man. No. Nope. And I think they nailed it in the episode and the look of uh, Brian Cranston there. Indeed. 
So Walt then takes Junior to uh, Junior. That's what we call Walt Junior. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, did they even say his name, Walt Junior? Uh, don't they, know. They must have in that scene. Uh, he takes him to school, where conveniently Walt also teaches high school chemistry class there. And we're introduced to one of another enduring character of the show, the 2004 Pontiac Aztec. Yeah, yeah, that thing's going to be with us for a while. Spoiler alert. Uh, and it's funny because they, you say about the Villigan's maniacal attention to detail. So the vibe, and I got this information from an, uh, an interview with him. The vibe is widely considered one of the worst vehicles of all time. It was a the sh- vibe or the Aztec. The Aztec. Because you I'm own sorry. a vibe. Yes, I, I, I own the third. <laughs> I own the second shittiest vehicle <laughs> okay. because for similar reasons, it fails as a minivan, but it's also not a sport utility vehicle, mm, and it gets okay. kind of shitty gas mileage. It's got ugly styling. Um, <laughs> but Brian, but but Vince was like, "That's not enough. Yep, yep, that's not enough. I'm going to custom get this faded frost green." color that's not even available and i'm going to paint yeah. it like a matte so it's not even glossy and then some <laughs> detail that i just picked up in research for this is that they've replaced the stock you know alloy wheel on the back drivers with like some shitty steel wheel that doesn't huh. even match nice so this this is the car a schlub would drive yeah apologies is... if you own a pontiac aztec my dad <laughs> who I will mention several times in the show, reminds me so much of Walter White uh, for so many reasons, positively lusted after a Pontiac Aztec. Wow. Yeah, I remember them being kind of a big deal. They just look so different from everything else. But in retrospect, they look really shitty. Yeah, there's just so many bad styling cues. The coolest thing about it is there is a, a factory option where you could, get a, you, you could have it fold out and become like a five-person tent. Okay. Which is kind of cool for car camping. And I think that's sure. actually, actually pretty neat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just like unfold the gate and you have this nylon shit that zips into place and boom, you got to camp. Sweet. It's also air conditioned if you want to run an engine all the time. There we but go. Anyway. So he's teaching chemistry class and there's uh, something he tells the class, which I think is significant to Walter White as a character in the show in general. Sure. Which is that chemistry is the study of matter, but Walt thinks of it as a study of change. Um, and he kind of gives a description about things uh, dissolving, about solution and dissolution, and um, just the way that the universe is kind of fluid. Sure. Um, and there's a lot to uh, point to in this show that kind of fits into that theme. Right. Um, and he's just fascinated with the nature of chemistry. He loves it. He loses himself in this speech that he's giving. Right. Uh, but the kids clearly don't give a shit about it or respect him as a person, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, that's what kids do in high school chemistry class, I'm sure. Indeed. One of the interesting things is that the Villigan does play fast and loose with some beats for the audience, but don't make sense in universe. Like we talked about the pants, how that's mm. kind of like physically impossible, that shot. Yeah. Uh, but here he's giving a... First day of school speech about chemistry. Yeah. Or first day of the semester. And yet we find out it's just in the middle of the term. He's like, okay, well, now turn to chapter six. Yeah, yeah. But I don't, you know, again, it's not a fatal flaw because I didn't even notice it until I started sure. reading about the, the episode. And that but... speech is for the audience, not yes, it for is. those kids. Certainly. Yes, it is. Uh, so we find out in the next scene that Walt also works at the A1A car wash under his boss, Bogdan. A.K.A. Eyebrows, mm-hmm. and we will refer to 
henceforth as eyebrows. <laughs> Probably, sure. Uh, unless and, it's unless in the rare case, it's funnier to refer to him as Bogdan. Mm, sometimes, once yeah. in a blue moon, a joke works better with the old Bogdan. But every <laughs> every other time, it's eyebrows. So eyebrows comes all the over, way, just like his forehead. And he asks uh, asks. I use that term loosely. He tells Walt to go wash the wheels of a Corvette outside, and it turns out that this. What car, is he to do, Jim? He, he's to do his job. Jim, what does he to do? Oh, oh, oh! Eyebrows, yeah. Uh, well, I, I don't know. Wash the wheels himself? No, no, no. The, I, <laughs> he's this, a business owner. His right? eyebrows are hi- highly combustible. <laughs> you get around volatile chemicals. Woof. <laughs> sure, he could never cook meth. Uh, turns out the car belongs to the douchebag kid in class, and uh, Walt's humiliated when he sees him, and then he's further humiliated on the way home when the glove box won't close. Sure. Sure. And he, uh, not only did he get humiliated by the kid, but he was taking pictures, and it's probably going to be going on whatever yeah. the 2008 version of Facebook was. And he can't, MySpace. I mean, he's the ultimate in impotency because, like, in his class, he can't, even though he should have authority in that room, that he lets his kid walk all over him, right. dragging his chair around, making noise, interrupting his, his work. Sure. Uh, then here, he just has to take it when Bogdan tells him to go. Wash wheels. He has to take it when the dude's taking pictures of him to post sure. on MySpace. Yeah. You start feeling bad for the guy right around here. Indeed. <laughs> so then he goes home. The man was a, contributed to research that won a Nobel I Prize. Know. It's so sad. <sighs> uh, it, so he, he gets home, and there's a surprise party waiting for him for his 50th birthday. And uh, we meet Hank and Marie, um, who are... Skyler's sister and brother-in-law, and then Hank passes around his gun, and he does a toast with Walt. You could be forgiven for assuming that Hank and Marie are the primary antagonists at this point, because Marie sure. has got this bitchy, kind of hateful attitude towards her sister. Yeah. Like, people are Very in her critical. house yeah. trying to give her a compliment about her being pregnant. Mm-hmm. And Marie's like, oh, no, she's showing a little bit. And she's also riding her down later on with her authorial aspirations. And Hank... yeah. Jesus Christ, Hank makes Walt a sideshow at his own fucking birthday party. Sure. I I mean, later on, they're all gathered around watching Hank's interview on the TV. And Walt literally is in the background. Yeah. It's, again, very economical way to tell us, again, Walt is a schlub and this Hank guy's an asshole. Sure. And, And Hank is, you know, there are some things I think that Walt admires about Hank. Certainly his charisma. Um, if Walt had even a portion of his charisma, he might be doing better in life. Yeah, there's some interesting uh, webisodes that came out in between season one and season seven. And one of the... My, season seven? I'm sorry, season one and season two. I don't know where season seven came <laughs> okay. from. I'm like, what? what? Uh, there wasn't even seven seasons. Not only even have I missed the webisodes, I've missed an entire <laughs> two seasons of... Breaking Bad. But there's one webisode in particular, and it's not a spoiler because it's a prequel. It flashes okay. back to the day that Hank and Marie got married. And it's ostensibly a, a video that, that Walt is shooting of like the ceremony and like everybody there and kind of huh. like that thing you do. Well, then he goes to get t- some words from the groom, and Hank's like hyperventilating about, oh, I don't know if this is the thing I want to do. And he sets the camera down, leaves it on, and kind of walks Hank through his cold feet. And you really got this idea... That they had this brother type relationship, 
Okay. Because I think right. that the, the opposite is true, too, that Hank does have a lot of respect and maybe yes. is threatened by Walt's intelligence. Certainly. You can tell that, that Hank is not as intelligent of a guy. So he goes on the offensive and puts him down uh, you know, to, to minimize the risk to his own ego. Yeah, it's this world experience versus intelligence kind of uh, play there. I will say that super uncomfortable with Hank's gun handling. Oh, yeah. He is with a loaded gun, mind you, is just waving and gesticulating with this thing everywhere uh-huh. around the whole room. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh, my God. The, I know nothing's going to happen, but the whole time I'm like, "You're Jesus, oh, my God, stop pointing that. Yeah. How about his beer handling when he does the toast uh, without a beer in his hand and then just snatches Walt's beer right before the toast happens? He did the Clemenza. <laughs> he left the yeah. gun. He took the beer, the cannoli. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, he stole Walt's beer and left him the gun that, that uh, as, uh, what what did he say? He said he looks like Keith Richards holding a glass of milk. A glass of warm milk, I think. <laughs> glass yeah. of warm milk. Even worse. Uh, uh, the, the man looks like a glass of warm milk. Right? He does. Curdled yeah. warm milk. Uh, so then they're all watching uh, Hank's meth lab bust on TV, and Walt notices a lot of money there. He says, how much money is that? And he says something like 750000 I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and he offers to take Walt on a ride along sometime. Uh, one of my favorite lines in the entire series is Hank in this scene where I forget exactly what he says, but he's insulted by something and he says, sit and spin both of you with double birds uh-huh. up. And then he's like, oh, he's got to cover it for Walt Jr. And I, I don't know. Walt Jr. is thinking this whole thing's hilarious too. Sure. His and uncle he likes is the guy. He thinks Hank's awesome. A riot. Yeah. Um, I also think that this show has got a surprisingly dim view of drug enforcement, even How though so? several times Villig- the Villigan mentioned that they had utmost respect for DEA agents and they, and they never, worked directly with them and they worked directly the with them. Scenes, yeah. But the, there's this, it's just a background commentary that he's bragging about season $700,000 and you're making a major dent in the drug trade. But we find out the very episode he took out half of a very low-level, rinky-dink mm. production team. There's still plenty of fucking meth in Albuquerque. Sure. They rolled up in a SWAT team to get this guy, who then got out on bail hours later anyway. It's just kind of, I feel like, and it just especially gets worse. You start seeing, what are the costs? And meth is as bad as it gets. Meth is the worst drug you can think of. <laughs> It's right up there with Herodin, that, that crocodile shit they shoot up in Russia, whatever. Sure. But it, it's, it's terrible, baby. but still it's like, my God, at what point are the authorities actually helping any of these situations? Sure. Uh, so then we get the saddest birthday hand job in the history of cinema. And it's so funny is so many people watching our later seasons had no idea what we're talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because for the longest time, Netflix aired the uh, the pilots a full 60 minutes long, and it ran originally with no commercials. Then AMC cut it into commercials and shipped out a version that was more TV-friendly. Yeah. They cut out the titties. Uh, they cut out uh, some of the swear words. And this particular scene, the birthday hand job. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the foundations for why a lot of viewers didn't like Skylar because she gives Walt a completely joyless, non-erotic, no-lube hand job while she's simultaneously sure. closing an auction on eBay. And questions why he can't get it up. 
Yeah. Like, is there something wrong? Yeah, like criticizing yeah, the man's wrong. cock. You're surfing eBay during there's this hand job. There's nothing right about this. <laughs> yeah. You want me to ask what's wrong? Let's talk about what's right. <laughs> um, I didn't... That's that's bad, but the problem is yeah. it's also played for black comedy, which is super effective. Definitely, yeah. But after you're done laughing and cringing, you're left with this God. This guy's a fucking self-absorbed, yeah, domineering bitch. Sure. On the man's fiftieth birthday, she can't put down eBay for a couple minutes, right? So, uh, yeah, definitely, I can see where people get that from. Uh, then we go back to the car wash, and Walt sees a beautiful woman near a BMW. He coughs and he passes out. Yes. What do you think this scene is all about? I need to save that for the spoiler section. Oh, what if you don't know anything about the rest of the series? What do you think this scene is about? Who? What? Why? What's the deal with the woman in the BMW, man? Oh God! All right. Well, she's in a fancy BMW too. Why is she's he, in a fancy dress? Why is he passing out? What's the coughing about? I mean, I don't know that that's an honest question because everyone, even at the time that this was premiering, everyone knew that this was the story of a high school chemistry teacher that got cancer and starts cooking drugs. So, Sure. Uh, the, the other thing is, you know, there's a lot about this particular shot when he falls down that we had talked about uh, in some of our other podcasts and just in general uh, with his, his wedding ring being so prominent after seeing this woman, mm. uh, this get into this really nice car and what that meant about like, especially coming off the last scene with the sad birthday hand job. Sure. Is he fantasizing about this woman, about something better than his current life? Mm. Uh, a lot of questions are raised by that particular shot. I the think blood rushing to his penis that caused him. Yeah. No, definitely could be <laughs> sudden intracranial blood pressure drop. will get you every time. Uh, so then he's taken to the hospital in an ambulance where, uh, Walt just asks if they can drop him off. I, like, I don't, I can't afford this. I don't want to really figure out what's wrong here. Uh, and, and then they ask him if he can, if he wants to contact anyone and if he's a smoker. Uh, of course, he has no one he wants to contact because he doesn't even want people to know about this. What's that? And you he's know, not a smoker. Yeah. And that's, that's part of the problem with Walt is that, you know, we talk about why Skyler is so hateable, but in the mm-hmm. same scene, um, when she's giving the sad birthday hand job, it starts off. He wants to go to Los Alamos and see this Mars rover exhibit, which yeah. you know we're like, oh, yeah, let him go. But she's like, you know, you promised to paint the 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 kids' room, and then he's like, oh yeah, I guess I'll do that. And you're just like, okay, well she he's she's henpecking him, but then she goes, you know, I'd do it myself, except for you told me you didn't want me on the fucking ladder and breathing the paint fumes. Yeah. So is it Skylar's fault that she's? wanting him to keep the promise that he made for this baby that she's going to be having that's a fair point uh i i don't think it's her fault that she wants him to keep his promise <laughs> right and again it's not like she's not willing to do it herself and she seems a perfectly capable uh yeah. wo- healthy woman but this is kind of walter's uh patriarchal bullshit I, I, that's the other thing i want to do and just rewatch is try to be a little bit more fair and balanced and not just yeah. talk to you know you got this man who skylar says the worst thing you can do Close me off. He refused. Yep. What what fucking man gets cancer and doesn't tell his family about it? Uh, he shell shocked a little bit at Indeed. that point. Indeed, he doesn't know what and thank what God he to did. do about it. I'm glad he went this way because else we wouldn't have a show. Sure. But I mean, talk about how fucked up, how emotionally unavailable and closed off you got to be to keep this from your family. Yeah. Well, I I mean, part of it might also be that he does love Skylar and he doesn't want to crush her with this news because that would be absolutely devastating. I, I don't, 
So he treats so basically he treats his woman as a child. Uh, and she treats him like a child, but she's the bitch and he's the awesome cool anti-hero. I'm not I don't so, know. And, and I, by the way, I'm not judging cuz that's that is my worldview of Skylar contemporary to watching this show. I had just sure. gone through that's I just gone through a messy divorce. Yeah, the the like a couple months before, and I'm watching this show, and I'm like, yeah, fucking right, Walter, go out and eat life by the asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm not saying that this is a critique for anyone that feels this way. I'm just trying to start with the asshole when you eat animals. That... <laughs> well, then it gets that, only gets better. It only gets better. <laughs> That's true. The worst. Is you first don't want to start then... with the bacon and end up with the asshole. I'm like, oh god, I just got hooves, jowls, and you assholes. Could start with the bacon and then not eat the asshole. I mean, <laughs> well, that's... then you're not eating the whole world, man. <laughs> That's the whole objective here. Uh, there's also the the idea that he would like to tell her in the best possible way, and that you know he wasn't prepared to do that yet. He hadn't come up with an idea for that through a grainy confession tape he made in the desert right before a shootout <laughs> with the cops. Okay, that was under duress, certainly. <laughs> uh, I I I don't know. Certainly, I see your point. I, I just think he, for whatever mental hang-up he has whatever reason he's not able to at that point i agree and and then thing again we as the viewer are intended to sympathize with walt so i'm not trying yeah, to yeah. be the whole you know snooty guy saying that you should feel ashamed how you feel about skylar there's but also since this, coming from the other direction a... telling a man who has cancer who just found out he has cancer that he has to tell his family immediately that's also bullshit well the man has fucking cancer he just found out give him a moment to process it right I'm not saying I'm not saying call from the doctor's office, but that's a family dinner or at least next morning conversation to have. I think maybe sure. other people are, and I'm sure there's a lot of men out there that would have a problem, you know, talking about this and stuff. But I just I don't know, man. That's that's really alien thought to me that you would keep that from your wife and kids. Certainly, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, so at the hospital, they run tests and discover he has interoperable lung cancer. There's uh, ringing in his ears when he talks with the doctor who has mustard on his collar. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think about the ringing that they did here in the episode? A couple uh, of times. And the kind of out of focus and slow-mo and yeah. the, you know, when he was in the MRI. It really... The upside-down shot of him kind of made us, you know, in the, in the hospital gown. In, in the scanner. The it's off kilter and it kind of makes us uncomfortable watching it. I thought it's brilliant. Another kind of virtuoso performance to tell us without any dialogue or any kind of outlandish performance by Cranston, what mm-hmm. is this guy's mental state? Yeah, and he's shocked. I mean, that's that's really what it is. He doesn't know what to do at this point. And also... Because his life is falling apart around him. I mean, this how much do we know about... Skylar's physical state at this point? Uh, as far as her being very pregnant. Okay. Well, if they didn't tell us that, then yeah. <laughs> uh, I, they do in, this, in the party no, scene. They, do, they say they she's do. showing. And yeah, you yeah. can see that she's got a bump, a, like a, a little bit, bit of yeah. a bump. Yeah. She's not very pregnant. She's like no. half term pregnant. Sure. Uh, so, I mean, there's that. His With the news of cancer, all those implications are just sure horrible. Sure. He's got a son with cerebral palsy. Uh, who his wife is presumably taking care of most of the time already. Mm-hmm. She's pregnant with another kid. If he has two years to live, where does that leave his wife? That's No, and in fact, I rough. think there, there is one, and I don't want to get too political because um, my feelings about all this is very complicated, but there is one person wrote an article that said arguably the villain of this series is the United States healthcare system. <laughs> oh, boy. 
All right. Yeah. But yeah. seriously, you know, a guy's got a, he's a high school teacher and he has to cook meth to leave his family some money because. But the healthcare system is not going to. Well, healthcare plus, I think they, her... she said healthcare plus social security. You know, that there's. Okay. The, that we. Gotcha. Those things are perpetually shortchanged and the disability benefits don't really pay all that much, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't really want to debate that, but I think that is yet another kind of uh, subtextual commentary that works about you know this country that is capable of uh i don't want to get into spoilers about but you can have companies that make so much money and then you have people that are destitute and and condemn their family to financial slavery because they have a health problem sure and that that gap just keeps getting wider i mean i think everyone can agree that's a problem you can disagree on the solution but yeah so then we see Skyler on the phone with uh, a bill collector or a company, a credit card. Uh, Seems like it's a credit card company. Company, I guess. Yeah. And then Walt comes home, and she starts asking him about you know trivial financial shit. At this point, right? Everything else is trivial at this point to Walt, right? Uh, and how his day was, and he says, "Fine, fine day. Found mm-hmm. out I had inoperable lung cancer. Fine day." Yep. And. <laughs> So there's another Skyler is, ding, right? The 15, she's, yeah, she's, yeah. she's giving him shit about $15 charge for paper at Staples. But on the other hand, if as a family they decided not to use this card except for emergencies, it's fucking annoying if your spouse just absentmindedly does it. Sure. What the fuck is Walt's problem? Yeah. Uh, well, they needed copier paper. Come I know. on. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, why, why, use the right, why pull the right credit card out of your wallet? Shit. Do you think that part of Walt's saying fine this is a fine day is that he has a bit of a death wish i mean his life is certainly not going the way he had hoped or the way he would want it to no i didn't you think that that his cancer is a little bit of a no 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 i don't think this is (sighs) i don't think the diagnosis could at all be seen as a good thing but subconsciously it is freeing him to do things that he has been too stuck in life to try. Sure, he says that later. He's he's awake. I'm um, awaking, and I think there's a lot of men and probably a lot of women too that can uh, can sympathize with that view that you're in a, you're middle aged. You've got all these things that we've been said that these are what you need to be success. You're in a marriage that's okay, and you're in a house that's okay, and this job, and but now you just realize that this is what I'm going to do every day until I stop breathing. Yeah. Holy fuck. And the fact that he's so close to death at this point that he's just propping up a life that's going to end as soon as he's dead anyway. Yeah, because I think a lot so of people... So why not just end that a little bit early and take some wild shots at things? I mean, people. I think people stave off a lot of these feelings of mediocrity, which is basically sure. being average, which is what we kind of should aspire to what, anyway. It's, it's what, <laughs> guess what? It's what a lot of people have to, yeah. do, have to be necessarily. But I think people deal with that by just thinking, well, when, oh, man, it'll be nice when I'm retired. Yeah. You know, five more, and, and, and everything's you kicking down, you know, young people are famous for that, like... A lot of people fuck around in their 20s, and then they wait, oh, shit, now I'm an adult, i got to do stuff. It's yeah, kind yeah. of the problem in reverse. This is, you know, now you don't get that. You're not going to retire. You and Skylar aren't going to go around in a Winnebago and see all 50 states or whatever the hell sure. shit that he had in mind. for. His, he, you're going to die, and you're going to die broke, and you're going to leave massive debt to your family. Yeah. That is a real kick in the crotch. Sure. I mean, it gives you a time limit on 
your future success, right? Well, and also <laughs> he it, might be thinking, "Oh, I'm a Nobel Prize winning sure. chemist. Chemist, uh, I could probably do something great in the future." As right. Well. I got to take care of Walt Jr. That's the most important thing. But just for now, later yeah. on, I'll do. When great he gets to college again. and he's going to able to support himself. Yeah. But now we got another baby. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> so it's that, easy that to talk yourself bit. into those types of deals. Mm. Um, ah, shit, I forgot the other point I was going to make. All right, should we move on? I think we should move on. All right, so he's back at the car wash, and he's zoning out again uh, with the ring in his ears. And Bogdan, a.k.a. Eyebrows, tells him that he needs more wipe-downs. Yeah. He's got a lot more wipe downs, and Walt freaks the fuck out. A lot less apologetic about this, which I thought is <laughs> yeah. a commentary on that that you kind of train people how to treat you. Mm-hmm. Like if you enforce limits and boundaries and and have a carry yourself with a certain amount of self respect, then you you force people to to treat you like that. If you are a doormat and don't stand up for yourself and don't have self respect, you're teaching people that it's okay to fucking sure. pile on. You can see that at work with him and Skyler. You can see that at work. Bogdan was a lot more apologetic. Mm-hmm. Like, what am I to do, Walter? What am I? If Walter's like, well, I don't know what you're going to do because I got a fucking clock out because I got a promise to keep my wife, Chuck the Deuces. Uh-huh. Bogdan's not going to fire him. <laughs> he can't. That never. He needs someone to wash wheels. Ex- exactly. So it's like, but now it's not an, an ask or what am I to do. It's a demand. Yeah. I'm not paying you to zone out. I get the fuck out there and start wiping wheels. Yeah. You here to stare at the sky, or you here to work? So that's some heavy well, commentary. I'm here to tell you to go fuck yourself and your eyebrows that you rode in on. <laughs> yeah. I like that his Incredible. eyebrows are so impressive that they are treated as a separate entity. They are like fuck Even you, Walt. Andy's eyebrows you possess. <laughs> <laughs> and then the classic line: "Wipe down this," because he's just fucking tearing down yeah. his air fresheners, and then you got the full and, ball check. Yeah. And that was like a a secondary fuck you, right? Yeah. Like he already told him to go fuck himself and his eyebrows. Now he's telling him to wipe down this. <laughs> like like he was thinking on his way out. What can I say to make this better? No, yeah. What can I do? <laughs> and again, my dad, holy shit, is reminds me so much of Walter White for a lot of these reasons because my dad's a very buttoned down guy. Uh-huh. But when his uh whatever his internal levy is finally breaks, it's like this unfocused, random, <laughs> frequently hilarious rage against everything. Which yeah, got yeah. me in a lot of trouble as a teenager because my dad would have these whole fucking outbursts mm. and I'd find myself giggling <laughs> and trying not to and then that just made everything worse. Oh, of course. Yeah, um, but no, he's ah, so much like my dad, Jesus. So Walt then goes to his pool in his backyard, his unused pool, by the way. Can we say Walt himself does not look like a swimmer? Uh, his wife's pregnant, definitely. And it's a winter. To be fair, it's it's in the middle of uh, New Mexican winter. Yeah, there's yeah, no... I guess I guess that is winter in New Mexico. Yeah, there's because the, it looks it's cold. It looks like because my my granddad has an indoor. Or in ground pool, indoor, in, indoor, mm-hmm. in ground pool that it's like drained like half level. It's just kind of what you do to winterize it. Yeah. And also, there's no, I think there's no leaves on the trees and people are wearing coats and shit. Yeah. We, we get into this a little bit more in future episodes. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to say too much about it, but it's kind of sad when you look at this and you see they bought this house and their son has cerebral palsy, can't use that pool. They spent all this extra money on the pool. I hope they get some enjoyment out of it because it's probably not getting much use. I mean, Walt's working all the time. 
No, this and this pool. It's, it just shows you another piece yeah. of the puzzle that's kind of sad. And this pool is something to look forward to too. Is this it becomes a central character too? Yeah, lots of stuff goes down around, and, and lots of uh, Walt's planning and and uh, plot hatchery goes down right here. And yeah, all- we see him clearly out back by the pool contemplating what he's going to do. And that's another theme in Walt's life that he's constantly cr- surrounded by chemistry. Yeah. Even when he's alone with his own thoughts pre-dawn, he's mindlessly lighting matches and watching that reaction over Yeah, and over I don't think this again. is mindless. I think this is very purposeful. I okay. think he's making a decision here, and he's viewing these matches in their state of change, right? Sure. They're going from, you know, a match into uh, there's some catalyst that lights them, and they take action. Turn to charcoal. There's some change here. Yeah, and you can argue about, you know, where you think this is going. <laughs> Uh, if you're only seeing this for the first time. But that's super interesting, right? He thinks in chemistry terms. Sure. I like it. So then he calls Hank's, Hank to uh, accept the ride-along that he had offered before, and they go scope out the meth lab. Uh, they wait for the school bus to go by, which I think, you know, good idea if there's potential gunfire in the area. And then they bust up the lab and catch one of the cooks. Uh, but while they're inside, Walt sees someone he recognizes named Pinkman climb out of a second-story window in his underwear. Mm-hmm. Second character introduced in their underwear here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Falls off the roof. Uh, has yeah. uh, has a uh, rather milfy-looking woman mm-hmm. uh, throwing, I don't know, the rest of his clothes out the window. Yep. Bare-chested, another. Because this was not made for AMC. This was yeah, made yeah. for potentially like HBO. I think they pitched it to HBO. They put and HBO times. passed on, and a couple other companies passed on. And AMC yeah. picked it up. So you kind of it's it's interesting. I've always said that every show would be better on HBO. Yeah, Can you imagine Breaking Bad on HBO. I, I think it'd be better. Of course, but I'm like, what would that even mean? What's what does that even look like? It's sure. I mean, it's already such a critically acclaimed thing and a and a fan acclaimed thing. You make it better. What does that even fucking mean? Yeah, I don't know, man. It's like I'm gonna give you this exquisitely cooked steak, a cut of steak, and then you're eating it. It's like this is the best steak I've ever had. I'm gonna make it better. What the hell are you <laughs> gonna do to make it better? I don't, I don't sprinkle more saying I don't fuck. Know. I mean, I don't know that that gets you. Yeah, there. that doesn't really do much for me. Uh, so we are also introduced to a uh, new character, Gomi Gomez, uh, in this scene and he's Hank's sidekick kind of, yep. I mean, he's his partner. Definitely. Yep. Uh, further establishing what, uh, the Hank's kind of this awfulness cause he's, he adds uh, yeah, he's casual racist, casual racism on top of the misogyny and just kind of being yeah. a frat boy asshole. Yeah. I don't like Hank very much. No season, season one, Hank. Pretty unlikable. Yeah, for sure. So then Walt goes to Jesse's house. Uh, he looked it up in the school records or something where he propositions him to cook meth, uh, become partners. Either that or he turns him in. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jesse is Cap- – Captain Cook is forced to uh, go along with the plan here even though he thinks it's fucking ridiculous. It's very interesting that their first interaction, Walt puts the screws to him. He does, yeah. Uh, and, and he's also, he's smart about it, right? He knows that he's not going to get into the drug game by himself. Even if he can cook great meth, he doesn't know it. He he knows the chemistry. Jesse knows the business. I, I just think, and you correct me if, if you feel like I'm wrong, I feel like Jesse was kind of leaning towards accepting the offer anyway. 
Well, he just lost his business partner. Right. He just lost his lab, everything right. he had. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you got to assume he wants a way to make money. That's what he's in it for. So it just is an instance of where I don't know why Walt goes for the heavy hand uh, from from the jump. Like, hey, you're, I, I want to give you this offer to on the on the the face of it makes sense. It's also extraordinarily suspicious, right? He sees Walter White in the car with the DEA when his business partner yeah. is busted. Then he shows up later at his house trying to tempt him into making meth with him. That's fucking suspicious. Sure. And I mean, it's suspicious to Emilio. It should be to Jesse. That's true. So maybe him both, threatening and, or I turn you in, maybe making a threat was his way of saying I'm not with the DEA? Could be, yeah. So It'd be nice if Jesse articulated that, but also... Yeah, yeah. He's not very a very articulate guy at this point. He's not, no, not articulate, and also uh, I would say that we have the impression he's not super intelligent either. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So then Skylar and Marie are packing up uh, Skylar's eBay sales from the night before, from the sad birthday hand job night. And they talk about kind of the short stories that she's writing and about writing a novel and how Marie's offering to critique it and telling her what sells and well, just also getting dr- into her general business, you know? They dropped that she had already written one collection that didn't sell. Yeah. Uh, because it was a collection and not a novel, according to Marie. And then Marie asks about Walt... Uh, and their sex life, uh, which he thought was uh, a little weird, right? Yeah, it's, I don't know. Skylar seemed shocked that her sister would ask her about her sex life. I find that wildly impro- impl- implausible. But sure. I could be that I just, you know, hang around a bunch of libertines and freewheelers. But, I mean, I can't even imagine if my sister or brother wanted to talk about their sex life i'd be like oh gross what the fuck you guys i don't i don't i don't get it yeah i i don't know it's weird seeing marie be so critical of her sister and then seeing skylar pass that on to her husband well i mean you you are the patterns that that make you sure i i mean i it's just more a little more evidence for mean mean skylar right and also a little bit of you can kind of maybe sympathize mm-hmm. is who's older is it skylar or murray i can't i can't ever remember i think it's skylar is the older one i th- i think so okay um she says she's not 40 yet she's much younger than walt she's at least a decade younger than him okay well there you go because i imagine that skylar's at least 40 right no skylar says in this scene she isn't 40 yet oh i thought she and was then she that says marie will get there eventually okay okay i gotcha yeah uh, anyway, Walt takes some cooking supplies from school, and he shows uh, his score off to Jesse. Jesse's totally unimpressed. He's <laughs> like, yeah, that none of that shit interests me. And they, he says that they can't cook at his house, which is smart. And Walt didn't realize how smart that was <laughs> until he actually said it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he says they need an RV, and he happens to know a dude. Yeah, this ain't chemistry, man. It's art. <laughs> Which we uh-huh. find out is is pretty quick is pretty bullshit, and their yeah, yeah. Walt's mission statement that I want to produce a chemically pure and stable product mm-hmm. is kind of the thing that he's passionate about from the beginning. He just loves chemistry, right? He really does, and it shows in how he describes these tools to Jesse, right? And it starts off like he you know, Jesse makes this big deal about the purity of the product and stuff they make, and Walt's kind of rather unimpressed but we find out that that pride in his profession and product becomes a driving force for him 
Yeah. Hope that's not too spoilery. <laughs> I apologize in advance because like, we're kind of figuring this out. I've already made a couple things. Where I'm like, I wonder if people will consider that a spoiler. Yeah. Um, we'll have to fine tune it as we go. For sure. Uh, one of the other things that might potentially be a spoiler about the way Jesse interacts with people and with Walt. Uh, I I love how he throws in this prick at the end, just kind of as an afterthought. Uh-huh. Like, no, you flunked me. Remember? Print. right <laughs> i i don't know he he's just like i need something to top this sentence off yeah yeah all right let's throw in a bitch or a prick or something like that yeah this wasn't confrontational enough i need to add to, <laughs> i need to inject a a dick somewhere in here yeah and he, he won't shut down up. his chili pea formula immediately right no baby formula no chili pea get it out of there sure uh, and Jesse hates the procedure that Walt is implementing. He feels like it's chemistry class all over again, right? With eyewash stations. And... Yeah, it's interesting because I was watching a bunch of deleted scenes before we recorded this. And I uh-huh. feel like making this a one-sided Walt is the mature adult, Jesse is the idiot, was a conscious editorial decision. Because there's a lot of cut scenes where, yeah, Walt schools him on chemistry, but then he yeah. shows up with one box of... Uh, Shit, what is pseudomed pseudofed or something? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And Jesse's like, no, you need like fifty times this. And Walt's like, well then I'll go back to Walmart and keep buying. <laughs> he's like, no, you idiot. That's not what you do. And he's like so. schooling him on the criminal side. So it's like yeah. it, it gives us and all that stuff was trimmed out. Every single time where Jesse had a nugget of wisdom to go the other direction to cut it out. I feel like that, that was conscious for us to see Walt in this one up position and Jesse to be the one down. I don't know. I felt like they were fairly even in this. Like, Jesse just doesn't give a shit about the stuff that Walt's talking about with purity and all that. But he does tell him, look, you can't cook at your house. I don't shit where I eat. Yeah, That's but there was smarts. a little bit of that. We got to get an RV. We got to get way out away from everything. Sure, sure. Yeah. So I think it's a little more even than you're making it sound. But you're right. Walt definitely comes away uh, feeling like, at least to me, that he knows what he's doing more than Jesse. Right, right. Okay. Uh, so Walt crashes out his savings of 7K. That's all he's got. Not even. Not even 7K. Uh, he gives it to Jesse to go buy an RV, and then Jesse questions why Walt is doing all this. Right. Uh, and in what I think is a pretty telling statement, he says, I'm awake. What do you think he meant by I'm awake? Yeah, he's been sleeping through life, and now he realizes that uh, he needs to get busy and do something with it. Yeah, it's now a, that he's only got two years of it left. It's a truthy kind of answer. Yeah, yeah. That and again, it's hard for Jesse to understand that he has no information about why Walt is doing this. Walt shares nothing with anyone but us, the viewer. Yeah, like and, he's not talking, and and that's another uh, you know tick for Jesse's native raw intelligence is that he knows. Like, look, this is a hinky situation. I'm your partner. I should know if you yeah. are going crazy or depressed or something. Like, you know, you've got cancer. For sure, would make you more reckless than and Walt not telling him. Um, yeah, just again continues the motif of him going into this as a completely imbalanced power scenario. I was your former teacher. You will listen to me. I'm going to blackmail yeah, you, and for sure, I don't owe you the truth about nothing. Yeah, otherwise you're going to jail. <laughs> Do yeah. it or you're going to jail. Uh, in what I think is one of the better scenes of this episode, Walt Jr. is trying on clothes with his parents, and some kids are making fun of him. So Walt decides, I'm going to go around back and attack the biggest one of them and then challenge them and, and make them run out of the store. 
Right. Great scene. And, and it shows, you know, that kind of reckless side that Walt is exhibiting at this point. Yeah. Um, I had a fun fact. The interior of the filming of the scene at the Family First Clothing Store was the Holocaust and Intolerance Museum of New Mexico. The- at the 616 okay. Central Avenue in Albuquerque, New Mexico. If you're going to Breaking Bad Fest, maybe check it out. Uh, but they flipped the in the they digitally flipped the address to nine one nine instead of six one six. I guess so. Okay, idiots like us wouldn't go storming through disrespecting the Holocaust survivors. Sure, sure. Yeah. And by may- the way, if you do visit some of the maybe stuff, maybe don't, don't put that on the tour. If you go to the White House, if you go to the Intolerance and Holocaust Museum. Uh-huh. Please fucking don't be dicks about it. Don't go up and look yeah. through to people's windows and do all that, you know. Sure. I These, there's real people that. that live and work and have businesses here, so yep. try to be respectful. Uh, I really like some of the editing in this scene. Uh, the, the way it's shot with, you know, kind of close up on the kids where Walt is walking in the front door. Sure. Uh, the shadowy figure coming in. I really love that. And then when... He tells the kid, you, you take your best shot, you got one chance at it, and then he's like, take it! Mm-hmm. And there's like a really quick cut there where he's kind of lunging at the kid. Yeah. I thought that was a really cool edit. Uh, and, and we know that uh, Kelly Dixon is one of the editors on the show. Not not early on in these, mm-hmm. but she does a phenomenal job later on in the series. Uh, I don't know who edited this one, though. I don't know. I'll start, uh, I will make a note to start paying attention to that stuff. Okay. Uh, we're back out in the desert. And uh, Walt takes his clothes off, and they get to cooking with uh, some hilarity from Jesse beforehand. Sure. God, Jesse is hilarious in this episode. He um, is. He's he's the majority. I mean, Cranston, to be fair, is funny, too. Yes, but we're kind of viewing it through Jesse's eyes in this scene, I think, uh-huh. a little bit. Like, seeing this 50-year-old man start stripping in the middle of the desert down to his pathetic tidy whities is a funny thing inherently. And if you're in that scenario, <laughs> you're like, what the hell is going on here? No, I think it's funny how they are both horrified by each other's existence. Yeah. Like, Jesse comes down talking cow houses instead of <laughs> he doesn't know the word for fucking barn. And uh-huh. Walt's like, God, I'm such an idiot. And then he just starts taking his clothes off, and Jesse's like, you know, oh my God, I'm working with an idiot. Yeah, I, I think his exact quote is the world's second biggest homo. Yeah, which, which begs the question. It does. Who yeah. is the first, for, uh, world's first biggest homo? I don't know. I don't know. I, I think we to... might have to save that for the spoiler section. Yeah, we, you know, what would be fun is to ask that as a pan on the panel. Ask oh, all of the, uh, the, you know, yeah, we just want to know Gomez. Horrible, some horribly offensive. <laughs> and I want yeah. you to take a stand on the record. <laughs> okay so when they're done jesse's super impressed with the quality uh oh but you class grade you, you first of all we had one of the yeah, yeah. big trademarks of breaking bad is the cooking montage yep has cool music shot really cool um all these kind of things where you kind of you, you feel like you could cook meth after you watch a few of them almost yeah even though you really can't but it's kind of like that technical intimacy Yet, yeah. yet vagueness to make sure the DEA is not pissed off or people end up cooking meth based on your recipe. And and there's a certain artfulness to it. Yeah, to definitely. The way they depict this cooking. It's almost romantic you see the way they show it. the way Walt views the the process and the chemistry and all that. It's, yeah. It's definitely uh, that. For and sure. also Jesse's kind of being a jackass in half of them. 
Yeah, some behind-the-scenes information. They actually did work with the DEA to get a uh, somewhat accurate depiction of what cooking meth looks like without actually having all the steps in there. And they gave the – I think they gave the several wrong ingredients. Yeah. But, yeah, um, a lot of a lot of people – I know Tom Clancy, when he wrote about building an atomic bomb, very technically precise, but there was, like, two steps that he inverted and used it just, you know, on Like the how to chance. get your hands on plutonium. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of uh, one of the steps. <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, I, it's I, I don't know. I mean, it kind of seems silly every time I see something like that in Mythbusters or whatever. They obscure something. I'm like, really? You know? W- yeah. Would you rather have someone have accurate information if they're going to ape you and then they don't get themselves hurt any more than they have to? Or would you rather them try? Because by showing this and making it look cool, uh-huh. you're encouraging people to imitate or try it out. By obscuring and blurring the steps, what are you really doing? Like, will this be a bigger health hazard or will it just be it's like a innocuous kitchen experiment that they do it wrong? I don't know. Yeah. Well, I don't know. There's an argument to be made for the idea that if the cook blows themselves up, Mm -hmm. that's better than if they had actually made the meth and hurt a whole bunch of other people. That is an interesting (laughs) moral argument. Sure. Like I said, the argument is there to be made. I'm not necessarily making it. Okay. Um, glass so grade yeah, Iron make, Chef meth quality. They make this great meth, and Jesse wants to test it, but Walt says they they don't use it; they just sell it. He's watched Scarface one too many times. Yeah, I guess so. I hope this doesn't end like Scarface. <laughs> uh, Jesse says he knows the guy to talk to to start selling it, and then he goes to see Crazy Eight, who is his typical dealer uh, and the cousin of Emilio, who was his partner in the last lab he had. Yeah. And they kind of threaten Jesse into taking them to the cook site. Yeah, they imply that he's the one that dropped the dime. Because we do know that Hank mentioned that there was an informant involved in them making this bust. Yeah. So that information is probably out on the streets. And they're like, you know, maybe it was you. And they're also and very... it's convenient th- that he's out of the lab at the time they make the bust, right? And Jesse's a lower KC criminal. Like, he doesn't have a gun. He goes in there, these two tougher dudes that have an attack dog, et cetera, et cetera, threatening him, he's going to go along with them. Sure. And Emilio's openly skeptical about, like, you didn't cook this shit. He wants to know, you know, he's smelling some money in the air. Sure, and the idea that Jesse, you know, just ditched, I mean, potentially ratted out his cook and then came back with another cook cooking much better grade meth. Uh, That's also suspicious. All right. Uh, so they go to the cook site, and Emilio recognizes Walt from the bust, and they threaten to kill him and Jesse. Uh, and then Walt offers to teach them how to cook if they let him live. Uh, I like that another piece of comedy in this very serious moment, uh, when they pull guns on him, Walt tries to run. Yeah. He tries to run somewhere, and he runs in this stupid little circle, and then ends up right back where he was. It's like the scene in, um, I can't remember which Austin Power it is. Maybe it's Goldmember <laughs> where... Uh, uh shit dr evil and mini me go to prison and then they're escaping and then the spotlight hits them yeah yeah and they both kind of like do this ridiculous dance or like uh Uh, it's pure physical comedy and this is the talent this is why having a guy like brian cranston who can swing for defenses left and right comedy and drama is invaluable absolutely uh while they're while walt is cooking while walt is cooking uh, he creates an explosion, and he poisons the guys inside the RV. And then... Uh, Not before Crazy 8 
throws a cigarette carelessly out the Emilio window. Emilio actually throws. I'm 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 staving off all the nasty emails you're get you're gonna get. Emilio throws a cigarette out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're yeah. right. You're right. Crazy eights <laughs> the guy at the attack dog. There'd Emilio, be a torrent so. of emails coming in. Yes, I don't want yes. that. Uh, yeah. So he throws it out the window, and a fire breaks out, which forces Walt to flee the scene. Because there's one thing, like yeah, if that hadn't happened, he'd have handled this. Like a superstar. I mean, he would have killed the dudes. Yeah. Him and Jesse would have had all the time in the world to dispose of the bodies. And, uh, you know, they wouldn't have wrecked a Winnebago, et cetera, et cetera. But it wouldn't be Breaking Bad if Walt's not just ass on fire, hairs catching, and panic <laughs> at all times. Sure. And I wonder in this scene, where is the moment where Walt made the decision, I'm going to try to poison these guys to death? I think when because- he offered to teach them to cook. You think right away that was his plan? I think, yeah. I'm going to get him in there. They're going to be as skeptical of lab safety as my partner. Yeah. No, I I could definitely see that. There are a couple of other moments that I think uh, visually you might be able to see the decision being made. Like when he tells me to put the cigarette out and he blows one last puff in his face, Mm. uh, Walt doesn't look happy about that. And also when he reaches for one of the bottles – he reaches kind of towards something else, and then he moves over to the red phosphorus. Mm. Yeah, may, so, I mean, it's. I guess I, you could I kind say, of lean toward you being right uh, that he had it all along, but may, or maybe where it's a blend of both because it's it's. I doubt that he had the red phosphorus plan as soon as he said, "I'll teach you to cook." That might just been I need to keep living, yeah, yeah, for, for as long as I can, and I'll think of something, and then that that was a part of the cook where he could do it is uh, easily sure. Then, um, that, and, and I like how the music starts up here, right, as he blows that cigarette puff in his face, too. Sure. Uh, a lot of good music in this show. And, the, you know, the song at the very end of this episode, I think, is super uh, effective and super relevant, which we'll talk about Man shortly. Uh, but the We're episode comes now. full circle then to the crazy guy in his underwear pointing a gun down the road uh, after Walt drives off crazily in this RV. Uh, Walt tries to kill himself, and then he decides to surrender until he sees that it's just a fire truck. Yeah, this performance. Yeah. Where he wait, you know, he's like, oh, God, am I really going to have a shootout at the cops? And then he puts a gun to his head and actually pulls the trigger, but the gun doesn't fire because yeah. he's got the safety fucked up or whatever. Then he's like fiddle-fucking with it and or shoots. Or maybe just jams because the thing, the, the mechanism actually works, right? With the safety, it depends. if you pull the trigger, does it not I'm a I'm a gun Pull. lover. I'm not a gun nut, so I don't know. Okay. I do know that uh, I've had a gun with up to three safeties, and wow. one of them was a firing pin cover that kind of like slid over. So I okay. think the hammer could actually click forward, but it wouldn't make contact with the yeah uh, the primer, so the bullet wouldn't, wouldn't go off. So maybe it's one of those deals. I didn't I'm just know what to type of gun it was or anything like that. If it's like a cosmic thing that happened that kept him from killing it could himself, be that. or if it's just right like the safety on the gun, right. But uh, you know, there's a couple. I mean, I could speculate, but then sure. the fact he's fiddle fucking with it and it went off, yeah, <laughs> scared the shit out of him. And that te- I think that's when he's like, "Oh, I can't do this." Yeah. But man, he could have blown his fucking head off. Show's over. Show's over. <laughs> you could have made a cool two hour movie out of that concept. That's yeah. and that's the interesting thing about this, right? Um, if this Vince Gilligan was born thirty years earlier, we might have gotten the Breaking Bad. You know, one shot movie that maybe got made into a trilogy, but we'd never gotten yeah, yeah. somewhat like 60 hours of television that we do and how much a richer yeah. experience that is. It, totally. 
then Jesse wakes up and Walt explains, you know, how he took the guys out and then he throws up <laughs> very casually throws up and really just gets his whole body involved in this vomiting <laughs> uh bends over i he bends over completely out of frame it's kind oh, of yeah. impressive at his flexibility in that moment <laughs> uh, you say he's got some ron jeremy potential is that what you're trying to say what? no no right. i don't know where that came from he's missing a few ribs if you know what i mean oh okay Got a sexually long penis that he could put in his own mouth. What are you saying? I'm, be... I'm not picking up what you're saying here. <laughs> uh, so then Walt literally launders the money that he got. Uh, it's debatable whether he thinks that's actually laundering money, what that term means, that's or actually... if he's just doing it to get the chemicals off I of it. I think, but... yeah, he's obviously that. But it's it it's funny that it's literally laundering the money. And also yeah. I was shocked because it's been a while since I've seen the pilot. Mm-hmm. That that scene came in the pilot. Like yeah. that's such an iconic scene. I knew it happened first season, but it came right in the fucking first episode. And this show consistently surprises me with its cinematic qualities. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a shot you would expect to see in a movie, not in a television show. Oh yeah, uh, just shooting through the back of a washer at this character. Uh, and, and there are many shots like that down the barrel of the gun. Sure, uh, just over and over. This show impresses. Uh, with its quality it's gaudy some people see that as a flaw like i know i said late in its run a lot of tv hmm. critics were like oh enough with the crazy camera tricks and angles and stuff but i i just look at it as a film that i'm watching once a week like well, a mean, new film that comes out once a week with right the characters i love and it's one thing if like they did that if it, if if breaking bad was kind of like crank where that okay. shit was turned up to 11. Yeah. Then I could see where that was dis- the point of it. But when you have one or two cool, it's like, okay, would you rather this be shot conventionally over Brian Cranston's shoulder? Yeah. Or would that scene be fucking better if it was less visually interesting? Right. Fuck you. Yeah. You know? It's silly. Complaining about something being too interesting is, that's just looking for things to complain about. You would think. Uh, so apparently he gets home really early in the morning here is when he's doing his laundering because Walks into his bedroom, and the sun's kind of coming in, and Skylar asks where he's been, and he doesn't respond. And she just wants him to tell her what's going on. That's all she wants is just to be Worst thing you can do is shut me out. Yeah. Oh, Skylar, if you only knew. Instead, he decides, I'm going to sex her up. Well, flip that shit and reverse it. Yeah. Sad birthday hand job. this. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Grabs himself and slides it in. (laughs) And then we get the Out of Time Man by Mick Harvey. Uh, super appropriate song here. Yeah, a man who realizes he's out of time. He's an hour. He's uh, he's uh, an hour late for all of his appointments, and they had these cascading effect on his entire life. And now he's losing the girl. And yep, and that's a pilot, uh, an excellent pilot, in my opinion. I again, I think it was an awesome pilot. However, I have uh, quotes from three. Critics that I highly respect. Would you like for me to read them? These are contemporary when it first came out in January 2008. No, I don't want you to read them. I've decided. <laughs> okay. Then fuck it. I'm kidding. Bring them on. Uh, Alan Seppenwall says, a short version. I love Brian Cranston here and elsewhere and found the show interesting, but not really engrossing or fully formed yet. That was his opinion after three episodes. Really? Not fully formed. Did he explain anything about why yes, the he's show got a not full fully fuck, formed? He's got a full article that I'm not going to read. Did it make sense to you? I assume uh, you read it, right? 
it's hard because I've got such a raging fan boner for Breaking yeah, Bad yeah. to put myself in. Because I I was down for I got you into Breaking Bad. Yeah, I was down. I saw it um, between season two and three is when I watched it. I saw it between season one and two from because uh, uh, I was slightly uh, behind the times. I was on Mad Men from from the the first season, but. Huh. Um, or actually, I think I got into its second season as well. Anyway, regardless, uh, I was all in, and it wasn't until the end of season two, beginning of season three, that I had my only hiccups with Breaking Bad. So I don't. I I see what he's <laughs> saying, but some of this stuff seems like uh, the annoying thing about critics reviewing reviewing pilots are they're either over the moon about something or they're tearing it apart. Like, so if something's 95% and I don't think this episode is like a 95%, like this wasn't 99.1. No, it wasn't that purity. Um, you know, this is a solid a, a minus episode. So I guess that is 95%. I I don't, yeah, it's like for a pilot, how do you do much better than this? Yeah. You don't have the backstory to rely on to make character moments more dramatic or more interesting. You just have to go with what you develop in that hour. So what I'm saying is that he he seems like a lot of critics reviewing pilots and things where they hedge their bets. They say a lot of positive things about particular things, but then they say a lot of things like that could mean anything. Like there's tonal mismatches, which that's something that's a big bugaboo with me. Uh And I do think that there are tonal shifts here because you've got broad comedy and physical comedy and black comedy and then very serious drama. Yeah. But I think the solution of tonal problems is execute at an extremely high level. You know, if that's the sure. only thing you got going on, it actually is a, a benefit. But no, I mean, um, if you want to read these reviews, go to uh, Metacritic mm-hmm. and look up Breaking Bad. You can go through all the different seasons and see stuff and how the uh, people's opinion change over time. Yeah. James Pony Wazik said, uh, this, ep- this show suffers from problems of uneven tone. The first half of the pilot is nearly perfect, haunting, deeply felt yet funny. It shapes up as a story about a disappointed man looking to reclaim some dignity and control in its remaining months. Mm-hmm. Once Walter hooks up with the white boy gangsta wannabe Jesse, it's clear the show is going to be something different at the same time. A Coen brothers, like odd couple, black comedy, on top of that, there's an uplifting theme that facing death and becoming a felon has brought Sad Sack Walter to life. All great ideas separately and potentially a great show if they mesh together, but the first few episodes <laughs> lurch between them rather than combining them. Really? I don't know that the tone is much different from the first half to the second half of this episode. I, I mean, if you look at Hank in the first half of this episode, he is a just as ridiculous of a character as Jesse is. I obviously agree with you. I'm just <laughs> okay. saying this is Alan fucking Seppenwall and James fucking Pony Wazik and Mo fucking Ryan, three well, of I'm my... I'm Jim fucking Jones, so <laughs> fuck you and your eyebrows. I'm just saying and these are people clothes. I greatly respect that, and I was yeah, yeah. shocked. I was really... Because I've heard him yeah, say that, yeah. you know, well, Breaking Bad really took off in its second season. I okay. really his, but I never, I never thought that they would be kind of lukewarm on the premise. Mo Ryan said, "Breaking Bad often demonstrates the characters using chemistry to solve problems, but the show so far doesn't have quite the right ingredients. Mm. They could use something more combustible in the mix." Where does this show go from its chemistry teacher turned drug dealer premise? That wasn't clear by the end of the episode. It made me wonder if Breaking Bad would have been a better movie than TV show. Having seen all of it, certainly not. But I kind of understand what he's saying there. Mo is a uh, uh, is a woman, by the way. What she's saying, Mo okay. is a woman. I've She's never more, heard Mo as a. It's Maurice. Okay, all right. 
Uh, or Maureen, sorry. Maurice. Uh, so I kind of see what she's saying there with something more combustible. Uh, I, I feel like Crazy 8 is kind of that element and Jesse to a lesser degree in this episode. Yeah. Um, but when you contrast it with some of the more combustible moments of Breaking Bad, certainly this is tamer than a lot of the rest of it. Well, I, I think it's a self-evident statement that break season one and two of Breaking Bad was not as good as season three of Breaking Bad. And I think that's true, season yeah. three of Breaking Bad, as great as it was, was <laughs> not as good as season four on. Yeah. So it's like, but to then say that season one was something you could kind of be, head your bets on or be, I don't know. But again, you're a reviewer. You get three episodes. You got to make a call and recommend the show based on people. You know, knowing what's in those other two episodes after yeah, this, man. I don't know how they call it that way. I again, I, I I don't know what to say because I'm in the I I'm in the same boat as you. Have I just missed a bunch of brilliant television that I think that's clearly by comparison. Breaking Bad is not as big of a bang. So off you got so so here's the thing. Um, this show is contemporary of Mad Men, which was a critical darling. Um, it's a which is a fucking slow burn. It's a contemporary of. Uh, the Wire. You want to talk about the greatest no television? Go to go watch Mad Men season one. <laughs> it was a contemporary of The Wire, one of the greatest television shows uh, in the history. Yeah, Sopranos yeah. had just finished up its run, so yeah. They... Right. <laughs> Compared to Tony Soprano, there isn't much, much combustion here, and 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 the entire series of Sopranos, the rise yeah. and fall. Because we've talked about like you know you're 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 plowing through that right now, and the show yeah. can be surprisingly uneven, especially some of the seasons. Sure. Um, so, but, but if you're looking back, you think of Sopranos as great and you think of James Gandolfini and all the A plot lines and you kind of, I think same way with Breaking Bad, when I'm thinking back of it, I don't think about some of the problems I had in season two and season three. I just think of all the great moments. So hindsight is a little bit rose tinted and it's hard for me to put myself in that position because I was in love from a day one. I'm just doing this as an exercise to say that my thesis of Breaking Bad is the f- one fucking infallible pilot does not hold true for pro- and for, for professionally or even the people watching it on a fan basis. There was a lot of people that uh, sure. on Reddit threads I read confessed to not getting into it and felt the pilot was slow as and well. And then they had to visit it back when like it started taking off in season three and and you know and there was at least one listener on Facebook our our Facebook threads saying the same thing like you know I never really got into the pilot so. And I got to say that I warmed up to Jesse as a character much more later on. Knowing Jesse's entire arc, knowing the funny moments of Jesse later on make me giggle even more at his antics in episode one. But I don't think she, I don't, I was not annoyed. I was entertained by Jesse. I was annoyed by Hank, but I thought that was intentional the first Uh time around. Yeah. Um, So anyway... Uh, shall we do a little bit of pimping and then we can get on to some feedback and spoilers? Sounds good. If you like what we're doing here at Bald Move, there's a lot of different ways you can support us. Um, right off the bat, I can think of going to our Amazon.baldmove.com link. If you're shopping on Amazon, please use that instead of Amazon.com. Those those extra ten characters you have to type, nine characters actually, the Bald Move mm. dot. Yep. What they do, what they get you is they get you... A, a way to send us love for essentially free because you're going to be buying your whatever on Amazon anyway. Yep. There's no extra bald move surcharge. There's no extra bald move shipping charge. It just it just really steals money from Jeff Bezos. We've gone away from hammering the fact that we're thieving 
we're the Robin Hoods <laughs> of the internet. We're stealing from Jeff Bezos. Yeah. Clearly doesn't need it. He's internet lost his mind. Really. He's going. He's if we don't stop him, he's going to bring Skynet powered Amazon drones. It'll kill us all. It's true, but then he can deliver meth with those too. So even worse. We got to take <laughs> this man down one penny at a time. Do your part by using Amazon.baldmove.com. Mm-hmm. You can also go to subbable.com/baldmove to directly support us and exchange some of your hard-earned dollars into Bald Move memorabilia and custom content recording opportunities. Another good way to show your love. Uh, go to iTunes and rate and review us. It would be cool if we could get the Breaking Good podcast back into the What's Hot section of iTunes. If we could oh boy. resurrect that bastard from the dead <laughs> and get it in the top ten spots. Jay and Jack have done it about a hundred times with Lost Podcasts. And that's so. the thing. Like We do have a bajillion reviews, but iTunes yeah, yeah. like, those were last year. You guys yep. could have gone to shit. Yep. You guys don't got the fire no more. So if you're hearing this for the first time, you like it. Get over to iTunes, rate and review us, or tell a friend, family member, share shit on social media. Yeah. Help us grow the network. That's all we ask. We do know that we've completely lost the fire. There's no more fire, but we're hoping this sounds better. <laughs> we think the audio quality has been improved. So Hopefully we can go through yet another change. We can reverse the decay. <laughs> we can oxidize some catalysts, yep. chemical yep. moles, atoms. It, it's going to take think- a lot of... Strike strips, though. I mean, we're going to have to be scraping matchbooks forever. Oh, uh, and how many t- trips to Walmart will we have to make? <laughs> a lot. With various mules to get. <laughs> it's Benadryl, right? It's Tylenol. You... It's Meth is made from baby Tylenol. Yes, it is. Fact. Uh, let's do some feedback. You can get do this. You can get this to us again at BreakingGood at BaldMove.com or on Facebook.com slash BaldMove. Uh, please leave it in the show threads because that's kind of where I hoover it from. Ben R said, having recently watched this, there's a couple of moments I'd like to note as the Gilligan uh, or as Gilligan shows us Walter White as an agent of change from the very beginning. Upon receiving his cancer diagnosis, he decides to start cooking meth with his former student Jesse Pinkman and tells him, I'm awake. Previously he had lived his life as a somnol- somnambulist, an emasculated drone of a teacher, a car wash employee, a father, and a husband. When he tells Jesse he's awake, suddenly he's an aggressor beating up bullies that were viciously teasing his disabled son. Then he initiates sex with his wife, Skylar, in a domineering position, a far cry from the recipient of the half-assed hand job the night before. <laughs> this episode marks the beginning of change and is a thrill to watch even all these years later. Um, I almost would say that it, the pilot gets better. Like, yeah. it's good watching it, but then when you watch it coming back and you see you know where the Walt characters are versus going. where Walt... Uh, where where we leave Walt and the, everything about everything about everything is life that goes through this change. I yeah. it's 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 bittersweet slash rewarding to go back and see how it all begins. I agree. Logan Oak uh, says, "Hey guys, long term listener from Texas here. I was delighted to find out you two were doing a rewatch, of my favorite el- television show of all time, if not my all time favorite." It gives me a perfectly legitimate reason to revisit the show along with you and rediscover the joys I found in it the first time around. Own it, Logan. It's your favorite. It's By the my way, favorite. I don't know that I, we made this explicit, but we're doing this once a week uh, until we get through season one. And then yeah. we'll see about season two and season three and so forth. Um, but we're not going to like keep up that schedule until we're done catching up with the season. So where does this is a seven week engagement and then then we'll sure. we'll keep you posted. Yeah. 
Uh, anyway, on to the pilot, Logan O says, what I want to say about this is damn what an episode of television, even after all the greatness that is seasons three and four and the last half of season five, the pilot still remains one of my top 10 favorite episodes for my money. It's the best first best, wait, it's the best first episode of a television program I've ever seen. Yep. It features the best of what Breaking Bad has to offer dark humor, social commentary, relatable human characters, and a genuine sense of pathos pathos. The character of Walter White is portrayed by the amazing Brian Cranston, draws you into the story of suburban life turned upside down effortlessly, and supporting characters only strengthen the transition. I remember when I first decided to watch the show, I was immediately hooked after the pilot. No question. My curiosity had been piqued, and I couldn't rest until I'd seen the rest of the seasons that had aired. My question to the you is this. Did you guys have a similar reaction? Did the pilot episode upon your first viewing suck you in as inexorably as it did for me? Um, I feel like we've covered that fairly well. Yes. I, I will say yes, I was drawn in to the point where I knew I was going to watch it. It's really kind of the second episode that really hooked me. I was like, this show is more than I thought it would be. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I go into any pilot. If it's a good pilot, I'm like, okay. Because I've had, you know, yeah. Walking Dead you're pilot. Still, you're skeptical. Walking Dead pilot was phenomenal. It was great. Yeah. And then the rest of season one uneven they had some moments of greatness but uh-huh. a pilot where they've had a lot of budget and a lot of time to polish that shit mm-hmm. then they get greenlit the series things can kind of get a little wonky yeah i want to see what you're going to do with your regular schedule not your nick pizzolato season one i want to see what the rest of it looks like too. so i guess that's my probably the reaction i had but nothing there's no episode that i watched until mm-hmm. again i got towards the tail end of season two which man i cannot wait to get all the hate mail I'm going to get <laughs> when I go off on some of the stuff about that. Yep. Um, I, you know, that's a pretty good run. It's like tw- you get 20 episodes in before you start saying <laughs> even a single problem with what's going on. That's that's not bad. I Yeah, I agree. Uh, we didn't have a lot of feedback, and I expected it would take a while to get going until we get these because... Sure, most people didn't even know we were doing this, really. Right. Um, so, yeah, please help us spread the word if uh, you got a platform. Uh, be sure to check out uh, Shane's work over at uh, HeisenbergChronicles.tumblr.com. And please check out the ABQ Breaking Bad Fan Fest over at uh, the ABQ Breaking Bad Fest.com. Um, if you'd like to uh, get some more information and see how you can in- in- enhance your fan experience. We'll be doing a little bit of that pimping as we go. I'm very curious to see what Shane, what his companion pieces look like. I'm yeah. excited. Uh, that's it. We're ready for spoilers. We are. So yeah, fuck we'll be off back. now if you don't want to hear him. <laughs> we'll be back same time next week. Uh, and until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. We're back with the spoiler section. I haven't gotten to say those words yeah. in a while. Because I don't do the Game of Thrones spoiler section. Sure. Don't really have much on the Walking Dead. We talk bed. so much shit about you in the Game of Thrones spoiler section. Good. I deserve it on that show, man. Uh, I do not deserve it on Breaking Bad, though. This is my show, man. So I don't know how you are going to approach this. I don't really know how to approach it. Like, I've got so, so what I decided is I'm going to propound you with uh, some statements and some questions and see how you, you feel about it. Confound them. me. I hope I don't either. <laughs> uh, one, I want to postulate something that uh, that um, 
shoot. Uh, James Pony Wozniak. You're no, always just, going on about him. Not Pony Wozniak. Fuck Pony Wozniak. He's all off of this stuff. Ben R. Ben R. kind of touched on this. Okay. And that was that we see kind of Heisenberg make his debut in this episode before he even has the name. A little bit, yeah. And you look at the scene of him in the clothing store where he's defending his son. And ostensibly yeah. you get a justice boner because here's this man. Absolutely. But on the other hand, you're looking at a guy who's hurting others for and partially for his own ego gratification. He's ego tripping off of this. But he's got in the back of his – but his justification mm. on the face of it, it is he's doing it for his family. When really he's just – You're right. He's just trotting on a human being to demonstrate his own personal power. Because there's a lot of ways you could approach I, that I situation without both. kicking the guy's ass. Yes. Uh, so I think it's both. And and you can argue to what degree he's just going on a personal power trip. But I I feel like the majority – this Walter White – the majority of that is just getting justice for his son. I agree. I'm just saying that. There, but there definitely is a twinge of I'm starting to kind of like this and outlaw it's, thing. It's 0.9% Heisenberg, yeah. right? I mean, it's but it's it's that's the glimmer of yeah. the first where and, – and as an audience, that's the funny thing, that there's mm-hmm. audience members that are ride or die on Walter White till the bitter end. Sure. And there's some that say, like, you know, that's one of the things we can debate at each – this is the first of the many debates we'll have <laughs> about do you hate Walter White? Is Walter White <laughs> crossed the line? Arguably, you know, this is a non-socially acceptable thing to do to just beat the shit out of someone because he's verbally making fun of somebody, kind of out of earshot. But we think it's but he awesome. Deserves it. He arguably deserves it in a purely yeah. uh, cosmic justice karma scale. And uh, yeah. but I, I think it's that's one of the things I want to talk about. And you know, that's something that. The Villigan has talked about over and over with this show is karma. Mm-hmm. The, the idea of karma, um, is it something that exists in the real world? Is it something that we want to exist? Uh, how does that reflect in our fiction? And I think, you know, he tries to show that in the show a little bit where this kid gets what's coming to him. Okay. He's, he's making fun of a disabled kid. Well, fuck him. He needs a beating. Fair point. And, and I think that is justified. Uh, a lot of people use the word foreshadowing in talking about this show. Uh. <laughs> I think a lot of it at this point is more Villigan being aware, which is which is uh, Villigan being aware of his canon. Yeah, okay? his own show's history, which that is a makes lot sense. more than a lot of shows trouble to do. Absolutely, but it still makes for a really epic rewatch. For example. Uh, Walt, when he's telling what the doctor what he said, is like, I've got two years, or I got a, I've got a couple, which broadly can be yeah. two years. Uh, and this is the day after his 50th birthday. Mm-hmm. Walt dies the day after his 52nd birthday. So exactly yeah. two years, and he's dead. Sure. Uh, and you wonder, with something like that, if they had it planned at all. I, I don't know what the status of, like... We're going to have this guy live two years after the thing, so let's just say it in the first episode. I mean, I would love – that's the, some of the stuff I'd love to get with the Villigan, like yeah. to drill down to that detail. Because I, I, I don't think you can say they planned it. Yeah. Do I think that they're sitting in the writer's room and they're trying to talk about their timeline for the final season? And, and a writer's why, like, you know what? Do you in the first forward? episode, we said 
we had Walt say, yeah. I have two years to live. Let's make it two years to live. Yeah, and that's, that exactly explains that. the flash forward. And it's yeah. some stuff that we kind of puzzle over. Maybe I mean, I'm not saying because I don't have Vince Gilligan sitting here and the sure. motherfucker might take credit for shit that he had no idea. <laughs> I, that accidental doesn't seem like to. him. He's very <laughs> – no. he defers to the idea of we wrote it after the fact. And yeah, and if you we listen were just aware. the Kelly Dixon's podcast, which I believe starts up yeah. in season three. I think so, yeah. Breaking uh, Bad Edition is what it's called, right? Yeah, you can find that on iTunes. Or, or is that the, it's the, the official the Breaking? Guys. It's it's official Breaking Bad podcast. Okay. So if you search for Breaking Bad, you know Kelly Dixon official podcast, yeah. you'll find it. Um, he's very humble about because Kelly Dixon all the time is like, "Do you guys intend that?" He's like, "No, that was a fucking accident <laughs> that happened on the day, or that's a shot we happened to get and like we noticed it." And so yeah. he's pretty humble about that. Uh, one thing, if you want to talk about writing to your your show's history these pants these pants that come off the rv are seen five seasons later while walt is rolling a barrel of money out in the desert yes indeed he, he rolls right by them awesome uh, is it, no it's not walt it's uh no it is Shit, it is, is it? walt he's pushing that barrel he rolls through. up to the old guys yeah no that's with the definitely truck. walt yeah all right that is walt yeah so he's rolling a barrel of money, and he sees those pants are laying on the ground. He doesn't see them, but we see them. Right. That's something you can't plan, and that's something you just remember and say, hey, those pants flew off his RV in the desert. Let's have them sitting there. Why not? Nice little Easter egg. Um, another thing I want to ask, the BMW woman. Okay. I've Long have I wondered what the significance of that scene is, because it feels like it was significant. Yeah. One thing I saw discussed on Reddit is what if that was intended to be a Gretchen stand-in? Hmm. That and it's like how yeah, yeah. how would you even know because she doesn't show up for many many episodes, but she's got that mm -hmm. similar kind of look and she's driving this upscale and it's not like Walt because I do believe the Walt is in love with Skyler. Oh yeah, definitely. So it's not like him to have like this kind of boner fantasy and just pass out. I I kind of felt like the trigger there was maybe thinking it was uh, Gretchen and having a reaction to to that. Yeah, it's possible. I do Gretchen and Elliot come into play in the first season? I don't know. I couldn't swear on us. If you put a gun to my it's, head right now and told yeah. me to cook meth and tell me whether Gretchen I think it's the first season. I do too, because that's a popular that's a popular point for people to say that's when Walter went bad when, when Gretchen he didn't shows accept up. I don't know that Elliot shows up. I want to say that the, the no, there's birthday the party. party. Yeah. yeah, the party is the first time we see them. Yeah, um, the party is after Skyler clearly knows about the cancer, and I don't think he tells her about the cancer until season we, two. No, 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 no. We, I don't know. I, don't, I feel like we shouldn't speculate because we haven't seen the whole thing. Yeah, uh, my memory is a little hazy on the exact timeline and some of this stuff. But, right. Uh, I, it could definitely be symbolic to him of Gretchen, which is an interesting thing this early in the series. Sure. Um, and if we do get introduced to Elliot and Gretchen in season one, I think that lends a little more credence to that idea. Yeah. Versus if we saw them in two or three for the first they time. Weren't, uh, the other thing, as I was looking for deleted scenes, I thought maybe we'd see a deleted scene flashback or something that that would make sense to yeah. us. Or it could just be something, that, again, Vince put in there um, as kind of a what-the-fuck moment that makes sense later. Yeah. That's another question I'd love to ask him because mm -hmm. that's, I've always wondered what the fuck was the deal? How much do they tease stuff that they know they have written already? The other thing in is Walt is manipulating this big batch of, uh, you know, this big barrel full of chemicals. Yeah. That are almost wash. identical to the type that he later famously uses for many, many things, including dissolving corpses. Yep. 
So I and thought I was going to was... say, I, I didn't want to mention that particular scene right. in the regular portion of the cast, but that's, I think, the moment that hooked me. The fucking dissolving that thing in the bathtub and having it drip through the ceiling. I was like, all right, this is a different show. Mm-hmm. I've, I've not seen something like this before. Right. And uh, another thing I thought that's, that's funny is that, uh, you know, I made a point of how Walt is just railroading Jesse. Mm-hmm. Jesse's fucking him right back because we find out much later that he completely <laughs> took Walt for a ride on this RV thing. And, yeah, yeah, and blew the 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 profit from the proceeds on strip clubs and whatever. Yeah, so there's a two way that that's another common thing where Walt thinks he's uh, underestimates Jesse, thinks he has him cowed, and actually Jesse, you know, has the upper hand on him. Absolutely. Um, first instance of Skyler lying to a financial company. <laughs> is this a hmm. I mean this can't be foreshadowing I for the cooking the books so. that comes later. This I would say certainly not. But is it an element where you know they got to season 3 and 4 and thinking, "Oh, you know, we did have that one moment." And... Yeah, that's the thing about this show. The the layers, you can see all the layers. If you like there's a clear timeline for all of these characters and all of their actions are motivated by them their their emotions and what has come before right mm-hmm. there's no decision i can point to and say you know what that's really just a whim of the writers right a, a plot contrivance i didn't see any of that in this show really i mean right. you can you can talk about the uh season two stuff with the 747 down over abq that stuff sure but it doesn't have any impact on the greater plot uh yeah. we never see you know, the thing crashes in Walt's pool, but it doesn't come back to haunt him in any way that a plane crashed and that he caused it. None of that is really carried forward into season three. But all of the characters' motivations drive their actions. And that's really, I feel, the core of what makes this show so good is that they don't try and play with that at all. They just say, okay, let's write the next scene. What's going on with these characters? Sure. That determines what the next scene is. That determines what they do next. Yeah. And I love that. It's interesting how if you didn't know otherwise, you'd swear that Vince Gilligan was an architect. Yeah. Because we talked about the architect who intentionally plots everything down to the last detail and then writes a story versus the gardener who starts out with characters and says, what would these people do in this reaction? And then writes a plot that way. Vince Gilligan is very much a gardener. Yeah. But some of this shit... Is so fucking because he's got this immense affection and ability to remember his own catalog mm-hmm. that he makes it seem like he's architected some of this shit from the beginning. He does, and he's got a little bit of an architect streak. He's like he's shaping the bed of the garden, right? Yeah. He's saying, "Okay, here's roughly what we want to do this season. Now let's see how the characters fit in there." Yeah, but we have to get to that conclusion via characters. Uh, themselves, not just via some plot device we come up with. And he did have, you're right, and the, one of the, the cheats that helped him immensely was knowing where he wanted to end. Yeah. I do know, I do believe that he knew exactly how he wanted Walt to be in the final episode. And then it's mm-hmm. just, you got to always work towards that where shows like X-Files are lost, have these incredible premises, and they're gardening, but they really don't, from season to season, have any idea where ultimately they want to go. Except and, for to get extended for one more season. Yeah, yeah, to get syndication. 
Uh, and that's that's the beauty of the idea of Mr. Chips to Scarface, I think. Yeah. Uh, setting that expectation at the beginning and then following all the way through with that. Sure. Makes this a brilliant show, whereas you can look at Lost and say, well, his idea was to disguise a sci-fi as a drama. Well, that gets people invested in the drama. Mm-hmm. And then when you flip the script on them, they're out. They're done. Yeah. They hate it's it. It's like, what the fuck? Uh, one other thing, the video that Walt makes. Yeah. There's a popular theory that that video somehow, even though in the next episode he snaps it in half yeah, and breaks yeah. it, that that would somehow come back to bite him. And, you know, mm-hmm. we debate it's like, you know, it seems like being out in the desert for over a year and the UV radiation hitting that, that it just yeah wouldn't survive. But um, a lot of people saw that as like, kind of a loose-end smoking gun that never went anywhere. And it didn't. There were a couple of those. A couple of videotapes that never went anywhere. The one where Jesse's cooking in Mexico. Yeah. uh, Being taped. We suspected, oh, the Mexican cartel's down there is going to get busted, and they're going to find this tape, and it's going to lead back to Heisenberg. Nope. Nope. None of that ever happened. So, Um, In fact, the cartel, that's another popular theory. The cartel was going to come back and fuck shit up. (laughs) The the Chileans. Like, what happened with the Chileans? So many things that... So, again... You can't, you can't forget that he is the gardener, and some of these things do go nowhere. Yeah. But that said, it's incredibly rewarding to see him pay attention and, and do these callbacks. Probably more appropriate to call them callbacks and than, that's flash, the thing. than, like, than foreshadowing. They're not really red herrings. They're just things that don't warrant any further examination. Like a tape in the desert. Yeah. I mean, you assume the UV light is going to kill it. It's going to just turn into dust out there, right? Yeah. And, you know... You got to keep in mind, uh, Gus fucking destroyed the cartel, like decapitated at a very yeah. high level. Juan Bolsa, he just and destroyed him. There wasn't an incredible amount Final of time that, like, you're talking about a half a year maybe that elapsed even with the flash forward. Yeah. Um, they, yeah. I mean, this whole series takes place in the course of two years. So is it really plausible that they'd rebuild themselves and send assassins north of the border to take care of this height when really they're pissed off at Gus? Yeah, I, I don't know. And he died anyway, so... There are things that are not central to the plot, which is Brian Cranston and Walter White's journey from Mm -hmm. Mr. Chips to Scarface. That's all I had for spoilers. Did you have some other stuff that you want to talk about? No, no. A lot of this kind of bigger general talk I want to kind of dole out over the course of this first season. I don't want to get into all of it right now, so I think we're good. Okay, cool. Well, hope you've enjoyed this retrospective recap. Let us know what you thought of it at Breaking Good about BaldMove.com, how we can improve things you'd want us to talk about, because we're it's kind of a first time for us, and uh, uh, it might take us a while to get the format nailed just right. But we definitely want to do this show justice. Yeah. This is not the, quite the Criterion Edition crazy-ass The Wire podcast I've envisioned, but I also don't, you know, I, I hope you hope you get that we're just not half-assing this or... Yeah. Or, or cashing it in. So if you got some feedback for us, please send it in. We don't even know if there's anything to cash in on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, it would not shock me if 500 people downloaded this, and it wouldn't shock yeah. me if we had like 75, 80% of the traffic from the last season. Because yeah, who knows? People people miss Breaking Bad. It's a good, good time of year to do it. But All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next time. Yep. See ya.